0: You're listening to the College Age Movement Podcast. Well, hey guys, welcome back in to the College Age Movement Podcast. We are in part two of our series entitled Seven Mile miracle. We are looking at the last seven statements of Jesus from the cross. And last week we talked about forgiveness. If you didn't hear that one, go ahead and head back to uh, part one and check that out. Uh, this week we are going to be in the gospel of Luke and we're going to look at the second statement that Jesus utters from the cross. We're going to be in Luke chapter 23 uh, verses 32 through 43 to start out. It says this, two other men, both criminals were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the skull, they crucified him there, along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. So that's the statement. That's the first statement that we looked at last week. That the first statement that Jesus utters from the cross is about his people. Forgive them, for they know not what they do. Then they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, he saved others, let him save himself. If he is God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was written notice above him which read, this is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence? We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, and this is the second statement. Truly, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. So mile marker one is the recognition that that we are in desperate need of forgiveness. This is what I love about this idea of these mile markers. And remember this is based out of a book by Stephen Furtick, so this isn't a complete original idea, so um just just throwing out that caveat. Um but this idea of these mile markers who that mark out our discipleship journey, our our salvation journey, are the way that we are growing and working and and becoming who God has called us. To be. So if mile marker one is a recognition of desperate forgiveness, the second mile marker would be this. And this is the phrase that we're going to use simply remember me. Remember me. See, so we step into this moment, each one of us, and, and it might not be as dramatic as this criminal who's hanging next to Jesus, but we, we have this moment where we say, Jesus, remember me. This is the moment of salvation, the moment of surrender. For some of us, that was a long time ago. We've been walking with Jesus for a really long time. For some of us, it was recent. Some of us, and maybe you're listening to this podcast, you haven't gotten there yet. You're spiritually unresolved. You haven't made the, des- the decision to, to give Jesus your life, to follow Jesus with everything that you are. And if that's you, thank you so much for listening in. You see, for each one of us, our salvation moment was a little bit different than somebody else's. But what I think is absolutely beautiful about this interaction between the criminal and Jesus is the the human desperation of this man. You see, he sees the power of Jesus. He recognizes who Jesus is. And in this temporary moment, it paints an eternal picture. You see, we are the criminal on the cross desperately pleading with Jesus to remember us. We, we at some point hit our knees and said, I am in need of a savior. I cannot do this on my own. And when we say, Jesus, would you remember me? He does every single time without hesitation. My prayer is that we would have these moments where we say, Jesus, remember me. And we would hear him say, hey, today you're going to be with me in paradise. Or don't worry you're going to be with me in paradise. Or don't worry, I have this under control. That our, our remember me's are heard by Jesus. But here's the thing. What we have to realize is that Jesus doesn't just remember. He acts. The cross isn't just about Jesus remembering who we are. It's him acting on our behalf for all eternity. He made this incredible statement to this man who is hanging on the cross next to him. And he didn't just say like, hey, yeah, I'll remember you. Hope, hope, hopefully I see you someday. He says, no, today you're going to be with me in paradise. I am moving and working and advocating on your behalf. Jesus was fulfilling a promise to that man while simultaneously fulfilling a promise to the nation of Israel because he was the Messiah. While also simultaneously fulfilling a promise to all people for all time saying this is for you. This is for you. I am dying on this cross for you so that you can spend eternity with me in paradise. You see, this is an incredible reminder that Jesus is not passive. And that's our next point. Jesus is not passive. We serve a Savior that is constantly moving and working on our behalf for us. There's a story in the Gospel of John where this lame man is healed by Jesus on the Sabbath. It's a a really interesting time. It's it's obviously the Sabbath day. There's this pool that people go into. They find healing and restoration and all these different things. And, And Jesus goes up to this lame beggar and he says, why aren't you getting in? And they said, well... Every time I try to get in, somebody gets in before me. Somebody cuts me off and gets in before me. And so Jesus says, go in today. The the pool wasn't being used on the Sabbath because you weren't supposed to do it. So he goes in. He comes out. He's healed. And then he's walking with his mat. And this this is the most classic like holier than thou religious person reaction to this ever they these religious leaders see this man carrying his mat they had to have seen this this beggar they probably saw him every single day and their first reaction isn't oh my gosh you are healed their first reaction is why are you carrying your mat on the on on the sabbath you see the sabbath you weren't supposed to to work and so they why are you carrying your mat the man responds by pointing at jesus and saying well he told me to he told me to go in, he, he healed me, and he told me to get up and carry my mat and walk. So the religious leaders come over and they're angry with Jesus. Well, how dare you heal on the Sabbath? How dare you be working on the Sabbath? And in John chapter 5, verse 17, Jesus has this response. In his defense, Jesus said to them, My father is always at his work to this very day, and I too am working. My father is always at work. My father is always at work, and I too and working. Somewhere along the line, we have forgotten that Jesus is working on our behalf. We have forgot that he is transforming our hearts and our minds and our souls, but he's also working for us and for our benefit. He's He's transforming us so that we can transform our communities. He's, he's transforming us so we can transform our families. He's transforming us so we can be transformed ourselves. There, there's, there's so much going on and Jesus is always working. He's not passive. He's not this God who sits up in the sky. He's always working. And we need to be people who are always working in tandem with Jesus. He doesn't only remember us. He acts on our behalf. He fulfills us. He completes us. He competes for us. I think it's incredibly important that we understand that we have an enemy in Satan that is constantly trying to tear us down. But we have a God who is constantly defending us and constantly working for us. Let us not lose that perspective. The next point this week is this. Say it like you mean it. Say it like you mean it. Too often we find ourselves in situations or life circumstances where we experience fear and doubt instead of having faith. And and perfect faith would be amazing, but we are imperfect people, so we do not have perfect faith. However, would we do everything in our power to focus on the power of our Savior? Would we have faith in the power of our Savior, not focus on the size of our circumstance? That we would focus on jesus not our circumstance luke chapter 23 goes on to say or, or, or sorry excuse me uh it, going back to to verse 40 it says this but the other criminal rebuked him don't you fear god he said since you are under the same sentence don't you fear god not don't you fear your circumstance don't you fear god you're rebuking this man who's hanging next to you but he is the Messiah." We are hanging on a cross and I am not focused on the cross. I'm focused on the man next to me. There's this moment of recognition in the criminal. His circumstance had not changed, but his heart had. He recognized the power of Jesus. And no matter the circumstance, would we be people who are laser focused on Jesus and confidently speak to Jesus our quote-unquote, remember me? Would we speak our remember me's to Jesus? Would we say, Jesus, I recognize your power. Would you remember me? Would you work in me? Would you transform me? Would you transform my community and my relationships? Would you remember me? Remember me? Remember me? It is going to look different for every single one of us, but the man believed that Jesus would do exactly what he was asking him, him. Remember me today. Remember me. But do that which we believe that he can do. Do we actually believe? Do we say things? Do we pray things? Do we advocate for things because we actually believe that Jesus can do it? Say it like you mean it. Believe it because he absolutely can do it. When I was in high school, I had a friend that I played basketball against and he was an absolutely incredible athlete. He... um was an all state athlete. And then he got diagnosed with an autoimmune disease. And it was the summer before our senior year. He got, he got diagnosed with this autoimmune disease. He could no longer compete. His body just started to shut down. And we prayed and prayed and prayed that he would find healing. And, And he wasn't finding healing. He didn't find immediate healing. And so being high schoolers and having a pretty infantile faith, we, we started to fall off one by one. And, then it was the our, our sophomore year of college. And I remember getting a call and him saying, Dude, I'm healed. Like, I'm better. I'm completely restored. And he found himself playing semi-professional basketball overseas. Like there, there was just like this incredible thing, this shift that happened. And I, I just couldn't believe it. And I said, What? What happened? He said, I didn't stop praying. It felt to everyone else that the answer was clear, that healing wasn't my answer, but I believed and I kept asking Jesus to heal me. We see, in his story, that's his remember me. That it was so personal and it was so important that he just said, Jesus, would you remember me? Would you heal me? Would you do something significant in me? And he lived out his life in belief that Jesus would do exactly that. So I don't know what you remember me is. I don't know where you're at, but what I do know is that Jesus is faithful and that Jesus will do a good work in us. And it might happen instantaneously. Jesus might look at you and say, today, you're going to be with me today. That healing is going to come today. I'm going to fix that situation. It might be five years from now. It might be 50 years from now. Your prayers might be the deliverance of your children. It might not be for you, but would we be people who say it like we mean it? That constantly and constantly, we don't know what Jesus's answer is going to be, but we know that he can. And so we're going to say it like we mean it. We need to be people who have persistent faith, persistent faith. Luke chapter 18, verse one, it simply says this, Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. They should always pray and not give up. He stopped. He looked at his disciples and he, he created this story, this parable. And he said, this is so important that I need to remind you that you should not stop praying. Always pray and never give up. Faith cannot only be present when things are clicking. My hope is that a community of people and as in individuals, we would be, be people who have a persistent faith when the moves of God are evident and, and when our human capacity does not allow us to see them. The fact of the matter is that Jesus is moving. Jesus is working. We just can't always see it. What's really interesting is the parable that Jesus tells in Luke chapter 18 is is just, it's so funny and incredible. And it's this short little story in the beginning of Luke chapter 18. And it's about this woman who's been wronged and she wants justice. She wants what is, what is deserved to her. And she keeps going to this judge and she refuses to stop talking to this judge until he gives her what she wants. And it actually says the judge judge gives her her request because he's afraid that she's going to attack him. You see, Jesus is our judge, he's our jury, he's our deliverer, but most importantly, he's our father, and he listens to us. And he uses this parable as he's talking to his disciples to say, don't stop asking. Be persistent. Keep asking. It's not selfish to pray prayers. It's not selfish. I mean, obviously, we, we don't want to be people who are just like, Lord, I believe that you're going to make me a millionaire. <laughs> like that that That's my prayer. That's my big prayer. No, that we would be selfless prayers, that we would advocate for others, that we would ask for transform, transformation in our own lives and conviction in our own lives, and that Jesus would lead us down the path that he's asking us to leave. lead. But we would be people who are, have persistent faith, and we'd be per- persistent in our prayer, and that we would not give up. That as Jesus is speaking to the disciples, he's also speaking to you and me always pray, never give up. Luke chapter 18 verses six through eight say this. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they that they get justice and quickly. However, this is important. When the son of man comes, will he find faith on earth? When he, will he find faith on earth? When he looks at us, will he find faith in us? Big, persistent, life-changing faith. We say it like we mean it. That's what I want us all to have. So, If mile two can be looked at as our salvation moments, I want to ask this question. Do we look at salvation as a singular moment? When we talk about salvation in the church, we rarely regularly look at it as this moment where someone comes to the altar or raises their hand or as a kid, you'd always say like, have you accepted Jesus into your heart? But this is what we need to understand. Salvation is a process. Salvation is a process. Now hear me, hear me. I am not saying that you have to do enough things to receive salvation. Or that that you like go back and forth on the line. It's like, oh, I was saved and now I'm not back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. I think there's absolutely an instantaneous moment where eternity is secured when you surrender your life to Jesus. But we need to know that there's more than a moment at work. Ephesians chapter two, verse eight, it says, for it is by grace, you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God have been saved past tense. Remember that Jesus did something for us. And there is finality in that his grace is sufficient full stop. And then second Corinthians chapter four, verse 16 says, therefore we do not lose heart though. Outwardly we are wasting away inwardly. We are being renewed day by day, present tense, present tense. This, this is one of those powerful revelations that I think that we need to lean into every day. Every day is a new day. And God is doing a work in us. We are still learning. We are still growing. We have not come close to arriving yet. And that's okay. Salvation is a process and we serve a God of process. And then 1 Peter 1.5 says, Who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Future tense. To be revealed. Future tense. We have so much to look forward to. God is going to reveal things to us as we move forward. And someday we will get to spend perfect eternity with our perfect creator. Salvation is past, present, and future. Salvation is a process. We are saved for eternity. Finality in that. But that doesn't mean that we raise our hand or we walk to the altar or we, we surrender our lives and that we don't do anything with it. Salvation is a process. I want to ask a question. I, I'm going to admit this a little bit heavy. It says, it says this, the question, my notes, just so you know, it says this, <laughs> this is the last question, which criminal are we? And here's what I mean by that question. Are we willing to adjust when we encounter the power of Jesus? Or are we going to dig in and stay planted in our stubbornness? We don't have a backstory for these two men, but we we, we don't know the entirety of their lives. But what we do know is that in the short moments that we see, one man is willing to humble himself and ask for deliverance, and the other one isn't. I don't think there's anyone listening to this that's trying to openly mock Jesus, but some of us are living our lives in complete recognition that it is not the way God would call us to live. That we are living our lives in full recognition that this is not how Jesus would ask us to live. So we've come into contact with the power of Jesus. And some of us have surrendered our lives and we have humbled ourselves and we we're trying to do the best that we can. And some of us aren't. And there's a mixed bag of both. And there's some of this and some of that, both and whatever you want to say. But what, who do we identify with? In singular moments, would we be willing to have some introspection and say, am I willing to recognize the power of Jesus and adjust? So maybe today you could you could walk through two questions and and just do a little bit of of self-reflection and and say okay, am I willing to admit my need for Jesus today? Am I willing to admit my need for Jesus today? And it, and with that, am I willing to adjust when he calls me to do just that? Because if we can be people who recognize the power and the authority of Jesus and we are willing to adjust who we are, and how we treat others, and the way that we're living our lives, we are going to find ourselves a little bit closer to Jesus every single day. Thank you for listening to the College Age Movement Podcast. College Age Movement's in-person gatherings meet Tuesday nights at 7, and we would love to have you there. If you are unable to join us in person, you can engage online at faithchapel.cc or follow us on our socials at collegeagemvmt.